And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project Seventy, celebrating seventy years of Tops baseball cards. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic, and I'm with former Braves reliever, my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty. What's going on, Eric? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm real good after that game last night. What a game. Damn. Just when, you, you know, the people that complain about baseball being slow or long or whatever, you get a game like that that was almost four hours, and it was phenomenal. God. I saw somebody complaining about it, you know, some writer or something online, and it's like, if you weren't entertained by these games and these games were too long for you, you're covering the wrong sport. Baseball's just not for you because yeah. I watched I watched more baseball this week than or the last five days than I've probably watched in years. You know, just cramming game after game after game in, yeah. and they were all good. There was there was barely any that were spread out, and it was like back and forth, big hits. Those games fly by for me, even if they're three hours and thirty versus a blowout early. I think the difference in what made last night's game so great, even though it was almost four hours, was the fact that no team was ever more – the well, the Braves never had a lead until Freddie's home run. But they were never down by more than two runs. And yeah. that makes a big difference. When it's 5-0 like a couple of these games have been in the fourth inning, mm-hmm. you feel like, okay, maybe they come back, but it's not – they're not showing any signs of it. So those games can drag. Or, or if you're not – if you don't have a vested interest in one of the two teams, yeah. they can get boring. But last night's game wasn't like that. It was two runs. And even though it felt like, you know, Milwaukee had a pretty good lead, you know, with their pitching staff, you knew that the Braves, if you follow this team, they can get back. back in it like that with all the power they got in the lineup. It was still, you know, watching those games and how tough runs were to come by. It's still, yeah. when Milwaukee got that two spot, got up by two, yeah. you felt like, shit, you know, maybe they don't get back in this game. And, you know, credit for the team for not feeling like that because they gave up two and got them right back twice. Milwaukee, I think, was 0 for 20 at, with runners in scoring position yeah. to that point. And the Braves yeah. weren't much better. They were like 2 for 23 or something. So, I mean, both pitching staffs did a great job. I just thought the Braves – I thought Milwaukee had a disappointing performance offensively, obviously, but I thought more – at least as much of that had to do with the Braves pitching staff because – yeah. We've said the Braves three deep in the starting rotation are as good as anybody right now with Ian Anderson pitching the way he is. He was terrific. Um, and I mean, and Max Fried's the best pitcher in, in the game since the All-Star break, certainly since the beginning of August. So you add Charlie to that. I think those three can handle anybody's three. Anybody's. Yeah. And the defense, yep. too. The defense, defense was, has been phenomenal. Some of the plays Dansby, Dansby last made. Night, that game he had last night. Yeah. Craig Council said that was special. That was a special game. What? He, he went out of his way to note Dansby in his post game. He changed the game. Yeah. That play he made in the fifth, I think it was, after Kane hit that laser in the gap or in the in the six hole, Dansby laid out for it. If Dansby yeah. doesn't make that play, they probably let Peralta hit and he stays in the yeah. game. 
And so that changed the whole game right there. They scored two in the bottom, you know. Just stuff like that kind of goes unnoticed. But if he doesn't make that play, who knows what their starter does and if he gets yeah. to stay in the game because he was only at 57 pitches. I mean, Crawford probably win the gold glove this year, I would think. But Dansby is right there, man. There's, I think, I don't know of, uh, of two or three other shortstops that are better than him in the in the majors. And they exactly. both, they both have defensively, that. Defensively, I'm talking about. Yeah, and they both have that knack for – when their team needs a big play yeah. and you feel that momentum shifting, Crawford got up and caught a liner off bets the other day that that kind of killed a rally. Yeah, the two plays Dansby made yesterday. I mean, those are deflating. When you think you got something going, you get uh, second and third, no outs, and and he lays out in the hole and picks one, keeps the runner at third. And how how about the barehanded play that uh, Austin Riley made? That was, was sick that, too. Was that last night or the night yeah. before? I don't know. Together. It that blends was together. That was phenomenal. But. That was a Chipper Jones play and then some. That barehanded yeah. play. Yeah. He's getting that down now. He's come so far defensively. Um, so, yeah, last night it was just a terrific game. And the atmosphere at Truist Park, man, I don't want to hear anybody ragging on Braves fans anymore for a while because they, were, they had that stigma or that, you know, fair or not, they had that reputation for a while for not coming out, at least for the first round, because they went so so many times to the playoffs that they wouldn't even come out for the first round. And if it was day games, which they often got the slot, they wouldn't come out. And Brace fans would be like, how are we going to get the day? None of, none of that was even relevant in this series because they had a game at Monday at 1 o'clock, and the place was sold out, and yeah. it was pa- loud. And it then last loud. night was even louder. Over forty grand, over 40000 both days. And last night was loud, man. Especially after that umpire's call or no call, the when they when they when they called New York to get to see to check on the uh, replay, and we're told that's not reviewable. How, how embarrassing! The umpires did somebody did the crew just didn't even know that the rule that it was unreviewable. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put the headphones on to call New York. They thought they they had to at least clarify whether it was or not. I didn't know it, you know. Dumb I mean, rule. I didn't know Nobody did. There's been a couple rules in this postseason that I think need to be revisited. That play in Boston was, I mean, it changed the whole game. Kiermaier hit the double, bounced oh, off yeah. Renfro oh, over the yeah. fence. I mean. That's that, got to be changed. That was the whole series right there. And then yesterday, I mean, I don't. it, it felt like another infield fly rule type of thing. Because if, if you lose yesterday and go back to Milwaukee, yeah, it's going to be a tough series, and that and people that, are going to be talking about that play forever. Thank God they won't be. Yeah, and the crowd started. Luckily, you know they came up and scored anyway. But yeah, they got two runs in that inning, or I otherwise, just, yeah, big trouble. But I don't know why that's not reviewable. Yeah, I don't, I don't the rule understand for anybody the, that watched wasn't watching, or if I don't know if it, how well it was explained on TV because I don't I don't watch the TV when I'm in the press box. They, they figured it out on it. TV. Oh, they did. Yeah. So uh, a catch rule, a catch play can be reviewed when it's in the outfield, but not in the infield. And apparently foul territory in the infield is the infield, even if it involves the catcher or whatever. Dumb rule. I think that probably uh, the reasoning for that is that there's three umpires in the infield and there's one in the Hope outfield. one of them sees it. Right. But those umpires were blocked last night just because the placement of the players involved. They didn't really have a good shot, a good view of it. And yeah. I thought the replay clearly showed the ball at least caught some dirt along with his glove before it bounced up in his glove. I thought it was pretty obvious, but it didn't matter because it was not reviewable. So I couldn't tell live, but once you see a few replays, it's it's pretty obvious it catches some dirt, stops yeah. spinning, and pops up into his glove. Right, right. But, I mean, even line drive, you know, line drive in the six hole or up the middle or something, shortstop lays out, maybe he traps it, maybe he doesn't. I mean, if you watch this series, you saw every single defensive play had an impact. Right. 
They why should, wouldn't you, you know, if, if you got replay, why wouldn't you utilize it and get that call right? Well, the whole flawed replay, I mean, we've gone over this ad nauseum, but it's a terrible, just the, the usage of it is terrible. In concept, it could be, it could help baseball, but they got to clean it up. And yeah. I think one of the obvious things is let's review any damn time it would help to review. Yeah. Just make any call reviewable. And the umpires decide whether they're going to review <laughs> yeah. it or not. Yeah. Is that, it seems obvious to me. If it could help to review it, then review it. Yeah. And do it quickly. Well, yeah. I think you shouldn't. The, the umpire's call shouldn't have any weight either. No. And that, well, that's the other thing is the umpires that are sitting in New York. Shouldn't know. Whether it means don't watch the games or whatever. You don't watch until they send you the video of the play. And you, and you, you know, sometimes you're going to be able to tell what the call was by the reactions of whoever's in the camera. But for the most part, I think it, you, it would help a lot not to know what the umpire's call was, you yeah. know? Yeah, because they protect those a lot. And also, if the ump looks up and sees an obvious play on the scoreboard, yeah. when they show the replay, they should just hang that thing up and call them out. You know, there's so many of them. Exactly. That you look up there, and the whole stadium knows what the call should be in right. four and seconds. Right, you're going to go the other way. And they're on the phone for another minute 15, Wait whether they get it right or wrong. Yeah. And the other thing is, yeah, if you, if it's impossible to, for, to have that crew in New York not see the play or know the call, then make sure it's an independent body then. Just is yeah. that too hard? Yeah. Does it have to be major league umpires? It can be former umpires. It can be people that, you know, that to me, that's not that hard. You don't even have to have umpires making those things. It doesn't take an umpire to look at a call, know the rules and tell you what that thing was. You know, umpires have a set of skills. They're, they're there for, to umpire games. That doesn't mean that an average person can't, that knows the rule book, can't look at the play and make the call just as well as an umpire could on the replay yeah. review. Yeah. You know what I mean? But anyway, that's yeah. another we don't need to discuss that. I'm right glad. Now, I'm glad we don't have to talk about that too much yeah, today because yeah. it, it didn't hurt the team. But I tell you what, that was as loud. Speaking of terrible uh, umpire calls, that was as loud as I've heard an Atlanta home crowd booing at least since the infield fly rule that you were yeah. involved in or yep. were in uniform for. That was as loud as that. What was that? Nine years ago? Yeah, in 2012. That was that loud, or at least that loud, and. They're to be commended because nothing came on the field. I was, I was kind of shocked. I was waiting. It was almost like Dansby's when he when he when he uh, kind of browbeat people earlier. I thought people were going to take that the wrong way, you know, and say I'll throw more shit on the field next time it happens. <laughs> nothing came on the field. I didn't see one thing land on the field. Yeah, that was. Um, I was kind of waiting for that to happen. That's still one of the craziest scenes I've ever seen in my life. Was because I, I pitched the, the inning before. Uh -huh. Looking up and just seeing it just rained garbage and it was hitting people in the lower deck. I saw a shoe flying. Yeah. I was like, man, it was kind of scary because my, my family was in the stands. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you just, if you Bottles looked around, their heads. you're seeing kids get hit in the head with a full water bottle and, and you know, it wasn't going to stop. So I'm glad nothing like that happened I, yesterday. I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe the, uh, the scenario, the whole uh, game for the importance of it. You're yeah. at. It's not a wild card game. Yep. It's not a game you feel like you're you're going to lose or if things are going bad at that point. It's still a game you're totally invested in, and you've got the lead in the series. And it's the second round, and people paid more tip for for these tickets. Quite frankly, so I think you maybe yeah. have a little bit of a different crowd there on hand for this, and a little more seriousness about the game itself rather than just being. 
I'm wasted now. I'm pissed, and I'm gonna rain. Yeah, the well, it was earlier the in the game too. <laughs> you know, the wild exactly. card game was like right after they cut off, and beer it was sales. a five o'clock game. Yeah, and not a seven o'clock game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and a lot of people came there from work. Or you know, not many people were drinking all afternoon before that game started. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Braves win the uh, the win the NLDS three games to one against a Brewers team that uh, was favored going in. They were favored. They were you know they were the home team, and they had two. They had three All Star pitchers. Yeah, and the Braves did well against all of them. Yep. You know, um, the Braves got better pitching overall. They had incredible starting pitching and the bullpen. I just can't even say enough how much they answered the bell because they've been maligned all season and they go in and that bullpen at least four deep is really solid right now. And they, do you realize they didn't give up any runs in a series except for the two that he know gave up and he's not even a reliever. It was his first bullpen appearance since April 3rd. The other relievers gave up nothing. Chavez gave up the hit that that run goes to Charlie. That was an inherited runner. And that's it. The big guys, the big three were about just about perfect. Yeah, and you know, and Mentor I, last night. Mentor, that was the guy I was going to point out. He came in and he looked. He pitched yesterday like he pitched in the in the World Series when he got that yeah. start. He he pitched oh, like L- an animal NLCS. yesterday. The NLCS, yeah. yeah. He, he pitched like an animal yesterday. I, you yeah. know, I, I think it's cool to see a guy come out and you don't want to get ahead of yourself and fist pump and yell after the first strikeout, but it is kind of see, it's cool to see how invested these guys are and, and how much adrenaline they have and how much they're showing it. And he, he was on another level yesterday. Uh, we'll find out they're going back and it's the second year in a row that made it to the NLCS and last year they had to do it with an extra round. So, I mean, the Braves have turned a corner and people that were all, you know, been shitting on them about how they can't get past the first round or they'll choke in the postseason. This second year in a row, they're going to the NLCS, man. And four yeah. years in a row, they've won the division. It's about time for people to start realizing this is a new team than it was. It's a new cult, entirely new culture. These yep. guys don't have any, they don't have any of the baggage from all those losses. Freddie was about the only one that was even around for those anymore. And Freddie's not that kind of guy anyway. To, you know, to have any kind of a negative attitude about anything. But yep. these newcomers, man, they don't give a shit that the Braves lost six, seven years ago in the first no. round. And, you know, and, the, and they had this long streak where they couldn't win a playoff series. They could care less about that. Yeah. you got guys in here, young guys with swagger, older veterans like Rosario with swagger. I mean, these are some guys that feel good about themselves and about this team and this chemistry. 
they have more fun than anybody else in the majors, I think, right now, or at least as much fun. And these guys love each other, man. They really yeah. like each other. And you can tell. Like, Freddie hits that home run. And every guy had the look on his face like he had hit the home run. Yeah. And it feels like that every time somebody does something on the team. If you look at the dugout when, you know, say Rosario got that hit up the middle. Yeah. You can just see the whole team, you know, pulling for each other. And obviously, you know, you'd think that was common, but... I still remember this clip we have of um, Hinsky hitting a home run in the playoffs in 2010. Melky's on deck, and Melky just kind of watches it, taps his, <laughs> taps yeah. his, taps his bat on the ground, donut yeah. comes off, and he walks up to the plate like it was you know a home run in June. Right. But he'd been with the Yankees, and he was you know I think maybe taking some time to turn the page on that, and maybe not feeling like as big a part of the group. But you know that's that's your responsibility as a team too, is to make a guy feel like family and and i think they do a really good job with everybody that comes in now of yeah. of embracing them and, and making them feel like family because you could tell how hard these guys are pulling for each other yeah i mean those the the four outfielders that they brought in in july have been as big a part of this team as just about anybody and and they all act like they've been there for the entire year since spring mm-hmm. training i mean you would never know that any of them had not been there since day one I mean, and they're some of the most impactful guys on this team. Yeah. We didn't get into Soler yet. To mention the fact they win yesterday. After losing Jorge Soler, their leadoff hitter, who's been phenomenal yep. with the Braves since the trade, they lose him two, two or three hours before the game to COVID-19 test. Yeah. So you're all of a sudden shifting your lineup. You got to put a new, you got to put Dansby at leadoff. You got to put Heredia in the outfield. You know, I mean, you're shifting everything in the last two hours before the game. And Soler has been really good having that huge dude step up in the, in, from first pitch as a as a pitcher on his toes, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so, I mean, that's just another obstacle. But in so many ways, yesterday was like this season itself. I wrote yeah. that today between the adversity they had with uh, Soler, then falling behind by two runs twice in the game. It's the kind of things they've done all year, man. Yeah, they've been they, up against it all year. I, I saw Freddie comment about losing Soler, and he was like, "It's just kind of par for the course." You know, they've just they've just had unexpected hurdles thrown at them the whole season and it hasn't slowed them down. They didn't get over 500 until August. Yeah. And now look at this team. Um, they've played over 600 ball for the last two months of the season and they're a different team than they were for the first four months. I mean, that's it's almost irrelevant now. You know, you look at the 88 wins, but it's like it doesn't really matter because that's not how they've been, they've played since the beginning of August. Since they got the, all these four outfielders, they've it's just been a different team. No. And I think, you know, I think that experience accumulates too. you know, this is a group that's been there three, four, five years, you know, you going and playing in these big games and getting used to it and learning how to win. If you look at the Dodgers, it took them a while of being really, really good to finally get that World Series. And I was watching that that playoff series between the Astros and White Sox yesterday. Yeah. Well, the whole series. But I was just thinking, you know, the Astros have just done this so many times. They're going to win this series. They have never looked about him. Different look about them and, and big moments too. You know, big moments, they stay calm and have good at bats and you could see the White Sox pressing. And yeah, I think it, I saw it with the Brewers too, with the group, you know, when they got runners in scoring position, that bats weren't as good. Yeah. That you could see them pressing. And I think having a guy like Jock, who obviously had the, the, the big three run homer, but guys that have been in those situations, been there, yeah. done that and understand how to keep it the same. Jock says he treats every at bat like a yeah. regular season, you know, every eight, moment. Every moment, like I've already done it, and it's just another baseball game. And it's easy to say, but it, you know, having experience makes that so much easier to do. And, and the Braves got quite a few of those guys now. 
and having those guys that have been to it four times, the playoffs four times, and get to the LCS, get within one win of going there yep. last year. They blew 2-0 and 3-1 leads against the Dodgers in the LCS. But going through that, and then you add the ultimate postseason pitcher from the past five years in Charlie mm-hmm. Morton, and you add the ultimate pinch hit, big game, big uh, yeah. moment hitter from the past five, uh, past eight years in Jock Peterson. You had both of those two, a team that had gone to the postseason with a lot of these guys, same guys going to the postseason several times, some of them four times. Yeah. I mean, this is a whole different whole different uh, outlook going in the postseason and, and each of these games and how they take being behind in a playoff game. It's just totally different. And and I saw the same thing with that Astros-White uh, White Sox. I know they got La Russa, but at, at almost 80, I mean, it's hard for him to, I think, uh, exude all that confidence. And I've been there before to all these team, all, all his players who've not been there or, or haven't enjoyed success in a, in a postseason. I think that Brewers would be a lot different team if Yelich was what he was two years ago, just yep. because they could send their guy. We got the, we got the, one of the best two players in the National League going up there to hit right now. And when he stepped up there with two outs in the ninth inning, I had none of that feeling. None right. of that. And somebody's got to do it, you know. Somebody's got to get that big hit. If you watch yeah. the, if you watch the Red Sox series and the Braves series, two guys that I felt like every run the Dodgers were on were getting these random big hits. You know, yeah. maybe they didn't have a great series. Maybe they hit two ten for the series. But Kike Hernandez and Jock, it was like yeah. they were always finding their way into the highlights with a big homer that tied the game in the seventh or go ahead knock in the twelfth. You know, just yeah. randomly. It's it's not always the superstars, but if you got those guys that can act like they've done it before and be comfortable and have good at bats there, it could be anybody on the team. And uh, the Braves are having more and more of those guys that have been Rosario. in the situations. Rosario, he wasn't. I mean, he didn't look intimidated at all yesterday yeah. when he came up. And if he Pinch doesn't get that boom. knock, yeah. he ties it up with that knock. If he strikes out right there, what I a momentum going, shift! Man. Yeah, it did. And that got th- him going. That's what it takes. It takes somebody's got to do it. And for the Brewers, nobody did it. And if Yelich is Yelich, he gets those big knocks. You know, maybe it changes the whole series. You look at the bench. You look at the pinch hitters they've got this year compared to last year. I mean, early on they had Sandoval was doing it, but I'm talking about postseason this year compared to last year. Look at the guys yeah. they're bringing in. The biggest hits so far have been Freddie's home run, obviously last night. Jock Peterson's pinch hit three run homer, which was all the offense in a three zero win. Yeah, and Eddie Rosario's pinch hit two run. A hit last night with two out. Yep. What did two? Those are the biggest hits in the, in the series so far. So Darno uh, got a big hit. He's been there before. Went to Darno the World Series with the, with the Mets. Went up the, shoots went up the right field line. I mean, that was some piece of hitting there. I mean, and, and and don't forget last night. People can't overlook. Even though Jock Peterson gets his first start, and and uh, did he go hitless or he get a hit? But anyway, that beating out that double play, hustling, yep. that got, was huge to keep that yep. inning going. I mean, that yep. was. If he gets thrown out there, they don't get that run in. It's, yeah, totally different game. So Really tough matchups for him yesterday, too. Well, Snip started him because He'd been <laughs> he's three for three with two home runs as a pinch hitter yeah. in the first three games. And Snip was talking about how it was great because he kept he kept waiting to get him at bats against right-handers. So what does he do? They face three right-handed starters in the first three games. He doesn't start. Then they face a left-handed starter in game four, and he starts him. Yeah. But that was only because he'd done so much. It was like he was, Snip was looking like, why you got to take a chance guy? here. Yeah. yeah. So I, I yeah. agree with that, though. I mean, you kind of got good matchups for him for the first time. No. But he still battled, you know, beating out that oh, yeah. double play, moving the runner into scoring position, you know, yeah. stuff like that. It, yeah. it matters. I, and now with Soler out, yeah, I'm I'm starting him against a right hander with yeah. Soler out. Uh, uh, 
you know, you, you got good options with him and Rosario. You know, thankfully, more and more, I mean, Alex Antopoulos, we've already said, could be executive of the year. But mm-hmm. now look how important those outfielders are that he got. My God. Yeah. You know? Now with Solera, we don't know if he's going to be back during the LCS. It's probably it, I was told last night it's probably going to be about ten days because he tested positive. It wasn't just tracing or whatever. You know, the minimum's five, but it sounded to me like he's going to be ten. So oh, you can't you can't bank on him at all. No. You know, like what the guys have been through where they pass, fail, pass. You got to yeah. you got to pass two in a row. Uh, you, you I would just, just say you just you're just thankful so far it hasn't been, affected anybody else. Which I don't understand how because they're all right by each other. But well, they don't uh, have to test them unless they're symptomatic. If you got vaccinated, that's the difference. Ah, uh, okay. So, so just say you don't have symptoms. And fortunately, they are really close to 100 percent vaccination among their players. Some teams weren't. They weren't even at 85. That kind of team right now would be screwed because yep. everybody has been close to them. Like you said, would be yep. contact tracing. So. It's going to pay off to have gotten to have been a team close to 100% vaccination. Well, I was wondering how that play out, too, if you did. You know, you just lose the playoff series or everything's got to wait or you have to fill in with all. You have to fill in. Triple A dudes that are. With other guys on your 40-man roster. Guys that are playing Xbox right now got to crank it up and come yep. try to win a series against the Dodgers yep. and Giants. It would be embarrassing. Well, that's why you have up to nine on the taxi squad right now, too, because they know that it's not like a normal year where you could lose multiple guys to something like that. It's not You don't have nine on there because of injuries, regular injuries. But So, yeah, they've uh, – and if you didn't go out and do that, you got Christian Pache in the starting lineup now. Yeah, who is going to give you? Who so far has given you nothing offensively? You know. Yeah. So the difference being able to put in a Rosario or a Peterson in the lineup and not hardly lose anything—it's pretty huge, man. Yeah. <laughs> At the time he goes out and gets four outfielders, we're like, Jesus, man, why don't you go ahead and get some more relievers? Why don't you get four outfielders? Well, <laughs> it's it's paid off. We could use another reliever too, but um, so they're going back to the LCS. We won't know until. Late Thursday, actually early Friday morning, where they're playing and who they're playing because that Dodger Giant game and now the atmosphere and that thing is going to be Thursday night game, game five. five doesn't start till nine o'clock though East Coast time. So if Why? the Giants it's the only win, game. huh? I would start it at at eight, right? But it's six o'clock out there, so you know. But I would too. Yeah, they, I think it's nine though. Prime time, you know, they want prime time out there, but um, so. TV ratings run everything. But so if the Giants win, the Braves will hop on a plane Friday and fly to San Francisco, and that Giants will be the host of the LCS. If the Dodgers win, the Braves are going to be the host. They don't go anywhere until, you know, the middle games. But because the Dodgers, who won 18 more games than the Braves, I think they won 106, right? The Braves mm-hmm. won 88. The Dodgers will be on the road for the LCS because a wildcard team cannot be the host until the World Series. If the Dodgers get to the World Series, their 106 wins are going to trump anybody in the AL. I mean, they are, you know, if, if they face Houston, for instance, it's going to be Dodgers will have home field. But a wildcard team cannot be have home field advantage in any round until the World Series. That's tough. Winning 106 and still yeah, flying to Atlanta. To play Atlanta. I don't know who I'd who I'd rather play. I mean, I guess you'd root for home field at least because yeah. because that makes a big difference. But both those teams, Braves were a great road team this year. I know the playoff atmosphere is totally different than a regular season, but they were a great road team this year, and and, and I think that's going to help them. I think it helped them in Milwaukee. I mean, they yeah. go they all year they won and and 
hostile environments. And some places were really loud, hostile environments too. I mean, like great crowds in Philly and some of the games in New York that meant a lot down the stretch. When they went to Dodger Stadium, they had huge crowds there. Uh, San Francisco, they won that game on Sunday. Big crowds out in San Francisco this year. So I think that's going to help them. Me, as far as the matchups, I look at it as they've played like shit at Dodger Stadium for, what, a decade? I mean, they just do not play well at Dodger Stadium. But more importantly, the Dodgers bullpen, to me, is kind of a deciding factor. It's so deep. Yeah. And not to mention Scherzer and Bueller to start. I like the Braves matchup with the Giants a little better because I think the Braves bullpen is okay with the Giants bullpen. And I know Logan Webb has pitched his ass off. And, and, and yeah. He's like the right there with Freed, maybe the best two guys going right now. But So that's going to be phenomenal, Freed against Webb. Uh, but the other thing is he won't, it won't be Freed with Webb because Webb's got to go in game five, yep. which means the Braves had to love that last night, how that went, that, that series is going five games because it means Webb's out of the way until at least game two. So, Freed's which getting game to, one, if you get game one, that's huge. Yeah. You got to like Freed, not yeah. because the Braves didn't have to go to Milwaukee, they would have had to use Freed in game five. Now they've got their game, they've got Freed going against the Giants' next guy. What is that coming? Whether that's Gossman or uh, Discalfini, Dis- who got knocked around yesterday, you got to like the Braves in game one, whoever they're facing, if this is the Giants. Oh, I do. I mean, it's just. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you can get that first game, jump yep. out ahead, game one, that sets the tone for the series. So missing Webb would be nice. I don't know who. I mean, yeah, you got to go free game one. And then Charlie will be on regular rest for game two. Charlie's ready game two. And then Ian Anderson's pitching great right now. His last three starts, he's been phenomenal. So, And at postseason, his ERA now, he's got five starts. His ERA is like a, a half a run. Yeah. <laughs> so... I don't know. I like the Giants a little bit more if I'm the Braves. I like that matchup a little bit more, even though you're not the home field there. Um, you know, with uh, with with them losing Brandon Belt, their lineup's not 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 as good as it was. You know, he's out still. So you know, Dodgers lost Muncie, but the Dodgers are so deep, and I think the Dodgers bullpen is a de- is a deciding factor in that in that because it's just so nasty and deep, one after so another. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Training. I mean, the, the Braves got to training last year, but Kelly, you, I mean, they're well, just Kelly's they're, probably they're, the most vulnerable, but he's still throwing a hundred yeah. with a great slider. And in a seven game series, the Braves, I really like them three, four deep now. Mentor, if he pitches like that, I'll say four deep, but in a seven game series, that could be taxed, you know, if you got to yeah. go to the same guys every time. I mean, it's just we, we can't stress enough how big the difference it is this year have a normal schedule than it was last year when you played seven straight games. You had, you'd have really not much chance at all this year against the Dodgers with these two bullpens being what they are in seven games in seven days. I just, I would not, I like their chances, but I like the Braves chances this year. I think they got at least, to be honest, I think they're not going to be favored probably by many, but I think they've got at least a 50, 50 shot at either team. And I, and I think they can win the thing against the giants. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I think it's going to be tough, but I mean, this is when you look at it, if you want the World Series, you knew you're going to have to get past one of these two teams. 106, 107 win teams. Yeah. But, you know, again, it's like what you said is when you look at the Braves record winning 88, they suck for most of the year. And they've been as uh, as good as those two teams have been since Since the beginning of August. Yep. 
Yeah, since they got over 500, they haven't looked back. They had that 16-2 to two run. Different team. I kind of like it, too. If you go to San Fran to start, you can you could split with them and then take three games home. Yeah. If, if L.A. comes to your place yeah. and splits with you and you got to go play three in L.A. where right. you struggled. Right. Yep. That makes it really tough. That Those three games in the middle are, are, are big because if you can go to somebody's place and just split, yep. you can take care of business at home. And they will at least split. I'm confident of that because they're not going to lose with free pitching the way he is. Yeah. And you come home and three games at Truist, the way the crowds are going right now, that momentum is going to build with each game. Yep. And if you win that first one, I mean that that crowds are really loud, and they're doing the chop with the lights turned off, and the and the and everybody's got their phones doing a thing. It's intimidating, man. It is loud. Yeah. And 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 everybody can say, yeah, we've been at you know the Giants and the Dodgers have played in intimidating environments all year. Those are the most hostile crowds. They hate each other and all that. But it's a different element when those lights go out and they're doing that chop thing because they don't <laughs> yeah. see that anywhere else. It's just nope. different. It's an yeah. ominous sound when you got 40,000 doing that. Entirely different than it is when you got eighteen or 20,000 doing it during the year. Yeah. Kind of ragged. Half the people have their phones out. When 40,000 people are doing it and 35,000 of them have the phones out and they're doing that, it echoes. It's like, yeah, a, yeah it's, it's, it's a trip, man. Well, it's pretty you know, good. I heard that all the time when I was with the Braves, and you you kind of get used to it. Yeah. But then when I came back with Oakland, I, I kind of got wrapped up in it. Like shit, this is pretty cool. You know, yeah. it, it's like this is there. This is an energy right now coming. Like this this stadium feels pretty good about its yeah. chances. You know, I mean, it hits you different when you're the away team. But I think the Braves have done a great job too with the battery, kind of setting a party atmosphere. Yeah. More of an adult People atmosphere. People get there earlier. People get, get there, there earlier. Early. Get fired up for the game, right? I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's great for fans to be trashed at the stadium, but they're definitely louder when they are. You know, when they can get there and drink a little bit before the game. Oh, they get there because before the if you got to turn a field early, you're just you, at the gate. There's nothing. You're sitting, yep. and all you could do is sit at your car and tailgate. I mean, but yep. there was nothing. Yeah, nothing to go to around there, and and people that get off work and with the traffic in Atlanta, it was just logistically difficult. Yep. Because they made the mistake of never putting a Marta station there and blah, blah, blah. But this place, when you got a five o'clock game or one o'clock game, people can get there two hours early for the one o'clock game. They could go get they go get breakfast in a battery. For a five o'clock game, they can go over to bars, restaurants, whatever, and you hang out. There's like a there's like a grassy area. It was fake grass, but there's an area outside you could sit there, lounge, and the weather's perfect for these first two games, by the way. Uh I mean, there's just a lot to do over there now. And there's two hotels yeah. in there now. With the, or no, there's like four in walking distance now, but two in the battery, another yep. one just outside. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people staying there where they also couldn't do that at downtown. You could not yep. walk from downtown hotels. You could, but you didn't want to. And they're right there. I mean, family could walk a hundred, few hundred feet from the hotels there. So. It's a different atmosphere. It's worked out. I didn't yeah. like to move to out, out of the, out to uh, the burbs, but for these purposes, for postseason, man, it's a great atmosphere, and that's really, like you said, it's really fun to channel it into it. Yeah, and then just overall watching the playoffs this year, I think you know part of what's made it so amazing is the crowd energy. It seems like every stadium's been yeah. loud. White Sox were great. Their White crowd. Sox crowd was locked in. Yeah, locked in. Red Sox crowd partying. They had a great atmosphere going. Yep. Yeah, and I tell you, Milwaukee was really loud too, man, especially with that roof closed. Yep. They were into it. 
when the Braves shut it, when when Matzik shut him down with that strikeout. Oh my God, dude, that was. I'm not worried about the yips anymore after he did that. <laughs> I, I know. I was thinking that too. He's past you know, that shit I mean, now. He, he's he's in a good place mentally to be able to keep doing what he's doing. Because yeah, you always worry, you know, if once that bug's in there, is it ever going to creep back out? But he's been in some crazy jams, crazy situations, throwing huge innings in the playoffs and, and cruised through it. I mean, I was thinking last night when he came in, now's a good time to go get another snack or something. Because I'm feeling so confident about him. Yeah. I don't even feel like I have to watch his innings. I tell you, man, when this guy's done pitching, he has got a job as a motivational dude, either one-on-one with people or speaking to people. But people that have anxiety and that kind of thing, I mean, he's got a story few few other people in the world can tell about overcoming it to the degree he has. You know, people that worry about anxiety and they're going to their jobs and all this. This is a guy, this is gotta be able to say, I had the yips. It almost wrecked my career. And I go out and pitch in front of 40,000 people now that want me to fail, and yep. I succeed. And I stay calm. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good story. <laughs> yeah. Rick Enkel's doing that, too. He's the mental skill coach, I think, for the Nationals. Yeah. But you think about what having been through something like that, you know, the perspective it gives you to to talk your way through stuff. You know, I mean, Matzik would definitely be great at that for pitchers struggling or, or, or just thinking too much to try to help them tone that down and, and lock in. Guys, let's take a quick break. And then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So, Freddie, last night, as Jason uh, Jason Stark had a really good uh, his, his column today with all the facts and stats and all that. He had some really good stuff on Freddie last night. And uh, as 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 Craig Council said, it was great player against great player. And that's what we're here for. When Freddie faced... Josh Hader there in the in the eighth inning, man. They brought in Hader, and it's still not clear. But after talking to Craig after the game, Craig Council after the game, sounded like he was only going to – he wasn't necessarily thinking two innings with Hader. He just knew that was the heart of the order up right there. Yeah. He had to use his best guy then. But Hader has been a one-inning reliever for two years. He hadn't been that two-inning yep. two guy since two years ago. So probably a good chance he was only going to go an inning. But that was – he had to use him there. And so he's facing the heart of the order. Strikes out the first two. On four pitches. <laughs> Freddie comes up. Hater throws him a slider. I mean, his slider is all but unhittable, but especially against lefties. And yeah. Freddie crushes a first pitch slider that he made the mistake of leaving it over the plate, up a little bit. And Freddie crushed it and sent it to the center field seats. First left-handed home run off Hater this year. Only the second one in two years. And ironically, or coincidentally, the other one was by Freddie's best friend in baseball, Jay Hay. Jason Hayward, last year with the Cubs. 
you know, I was watching when he hit that ball. I, I wanted to know immediately if he'd ever given up a home run on a first pitch slider to a lefty. Because, you know, the thing with Hader is his fastball is just on another level. Nobody can yeah. hit his fastball. It, yeah. It's it's 97, 98. The angle he throws it with, the extension he gets, and the ride on it, everybody just swings through it. So when he throws his slider, you know, it looks like an unhittable pitch. Right. Because everybody has to respect his fastball so much. And that's why it shocked me that Freddie was able to hit a first pitch slider for a home run. I mean, I, yeah. I bet you when Hader threw that ball, it yeah. didn't even cross his mind that he could give up a hit on it. He thought he was just getting a free strike. And you you do that when you when you have yeah. a really good off speed pitch, you're, you're going lefty lefty. You throw that get me over. It's a free strike ninety eight percent of the time. And he does that to get ahead of Freddie. And he's thinking, all right, I'm getting ahead. I'm oh one. I'm going to expand a little bit. See if I get him to chase. He's got this whole plan. And he throws that first pitch get me over, and he's down one. You know, it's in the seats. And Freddie is like such a cerebral hitter, the way Chipper used to be. How he how he not sets up pitchers, but how he thinks these things through and previous experiences. But it was only in the ninth inning uh, of game one that he worked that walk yeah. off Hader. And then going back in May, he had that long at-bat in that game where they almost came back in Milwaukee. They had that huge inning. And he had that long at-bat against Hader in that game, too. So Hader, like you said, is probably thinking, okay, let's say, here, here we go again. We're going to have another long A-B head-to-head with Freddie. And he throws that, boom. I mean, Freddie is just like, that bat is so quick and so short to the ball that he doesn't yeah. have to look for one pitch and like most guys do, you know, and against a guy like Hader and hope he gets it. Well, it's it's one of two things. He's either because he said in the interviews that he was just trying to see something up. Right. And and sometimes believe I, him? I don't know. I don't know if I do, because I, I would have to go back and look at that bats and see if he'd started Freddie off with with first pitch slider a lot and he decided uh-huh. to go up there and look with look for it. But you know, you talk to Freddie in the dugout, and you're like, "What'd you, you know, what were you looking for?" You ask him questions about his at bats. At least when I play with him, he'd be like, "I was just looking for a white baseball I could hit." Yeah. You know, he. I don't know if he doesn't want it going around the league that he sits on pitches, or either way, it's unreal that he did that because either he was looking for it and got it, and he's yeah. that smart of a hitter, and that ballsy of a hitter to sit slider against Hater who has that great fastball, or he's just so damn good. That he hung him a slider and he didn't miss it. I'm going with you, the latter, dude. I, really I think am. so too. My gut tells me he's just that damn good that he got a pitch he could handle in the and, middle of the plate and and hit it out of the park. And I'm and I'm glad that at least he stopped with that tired. He used it for years and years, five or six years. What's your What's your approach when you go up there? See ball, hit ball. He stopped with that <laughs> bullshit because other people would tell too many other people hitting coaches, teammates, and all that. Goes, come on, man. Freddie's got a sophisticated approach when he gets up there. Yeah. You know. Because I do believe he always tries to hit a line drive over the shortstop hit, shortstop's head. I yes. do believe him on that one. And he's good enough that when he gets a little under a ball, he he can hit it out like he did last night. And that would be, if you follow that trajectory, it's pretty much over the shortstop's head. I mean, yeah. He's just amazing with the opposite field power and how, how consistently he hits line drives over there. Um, Dero had a great thing this morning. He showed how they shifted him on that play. And they got everybody over here from the middle to over there. One guy over here, like to the left of where short should be. And then one guy just to the left of second base and everybody else is over here. And D-Row wrote, but that's not how Freddie sees the field. And he put the zone where Freddie looks at the field, which starts just to the left of, of second base. And it goes yep. all the way out to the outfield. So Freddie's like, okay, put all those guys over there. 
Doesn't matter. This is what I'm hit trying to hit the ball. Now, a lot of times it's going to hit into the shift anyway because he's going to pull some balls over there. But that's not yeah. what he's trying to do. He's right. not like Ted Williams, in other words, going, I'm so good, I'm going to hit. You can put six guys over there, and I'm still going to get base hits. I'm just going to hit line drives over there and get still get hits. He's he's always trying to hit it the other way. So, um, but so so Jason had last night. This is amazing. Go, Braves franchise goes back to 1876. In the history of the franchise, there have been two times when a Braves hitter got a go-ahead hit to clinch any postseason series in the eighth inning or later. One was Francisco Cabrera to walk off the 1992 NLCS with the great Skip Carey call. And the other was Freddie last night. That's it, man. It's so funny, too, because what I started looking to the next inning. I'm asking, you know, is is Hader going to come back out? You know, yeah. who's who's up for the? I, you right, know, you right. almost at what he did the first two hitters striking them out, yeah, three and four pitches like they were just hopeless. You're like, fuck. Well, they get you. You're thinking they got one or two free innings to try to score, right? And you're thinking even if Freddie gets on, maybe he'll walk Freddie, but he'll get the next guy out. He's not, not going to get a run, run against him. Yeah, right. And well, will they dare use Hader for another inning? That's what a lot of Milwaukee fans were thinking too. Are they going to go back to using multiple innings? I thought they would in that situation. I thought even if he hasn't done it all year, now's the time to ask him to do it. And if you bring him in the eighth, I don't know if that yeah. threw him off either, bringing him in earlier than he expected. But he didn't look off until Freddie hit that slider. No, yeah, I think Freddie made him look off. Um, here's, the, so here's a few other numbers that Jason had were great. Um, you were talking about how good Hader is that. 127 opponents batting average this year, 193 slugging by left-handers. 192, 127 opponents bat, 193 slugging. Lowest percentage against any pitcher in baseball who faced at least 200 hitters this year. 124 career average by left-handed hitters against him. Lowest by uh, against any left-handed, lowest for any left-handed pitcher against left-handed hitters ever. He threw 228 pitches to left-handed hitters this year. Uh, zero home runs. <laughs> In his five-year career, he's thrown nearly 400 sliders to left-handed hitters. One was hit for a home run. Cody Bellinger, April 21st, 2019. 88 were swung at and missed. <laughs> I'm telling and you, man, it's, it's insane that Freddie hit that pitch. And in his career, before Tuesday, he had faced 350 left-handed hitters regular season and postseason. 150 strikeouts, 15 extra base hits, and 350 hitters. I mean, that's that's a, that's about as dominant as you're going to get that Freddie overcame last night with that with that rocket to center. Lefty-lefty slider for a strike is a free strike. If you're Josh Hader, there, there's no chance you think – He's going to do that with it. You think maybe I give up a hit, you know, to left field or a slap single or something, but to get four something into the 400 feet into the left center gap for a homer, yeah. there's no way it even crossed his mind as a possibility. Over the last two seasons, Hader gave up two extra base hits to left-handed hitters. Over two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Eric Cosmer doubled five months ago and Jay Hayes homer September 12, 2020. That was it, man. God. Um, Freeman had a walk-off homer against Hader on a fastball, May 28th, yep. May 18th, 2019. Nobody had ever hit two go-ahead homers against him till last night. Freddie's the first guy to do it. 
No, he's he's been unhittable. <laughs> you know, he it's not like he's been pretty good. The dude's been unhittable since he came in the league. So he's had he's given up eight go ahead hits. Uh oh, t- our Freddie's had eight go ahead hits. No situation. Two of them now have been off hater. How many other left-handed hitters in history can say they've hit two home runs off hater? Nobody. Just Freddie. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Anyway, so here's uh last night, rather uh, Freddie interview was great. They had him and Will Smith in there together in the interview room. They brought the two of them in there together. And uh Freddie had some great comments. He was asked to walk him through that, through that at bat. And and this was pretty good. This is pretty good stuff from Freddie. He said, in those type of situations, like against him in my whole career, I just look location because he throws all those heaters up. Was I looking for an O slider, uh, an OO slider up? No, I was just looking up. He threw three straight sliders to Dansby. So I kind of looked up in a way, up in a way in location and he threw it there and I was able to get it. So does that kind of answer your yeah, he and you know I believe it too because the whole time everything he was saying about it is almost just like I, I don't, you know, I don't know how I did that. Right, right. Uh, he said he had nothing. He wasn't thinking at all about 2019 that home run he hit off of him. Um, Bo asked him. Bowman asked him, "Did you did kind of build off that though?" And he said, "No, the at bat I had against him in Milwaukee. Talking about yeah. the other day that walk." I saw him pretty well. I mean, I don't know if you can see Hater very well, but I was able to work a walk and work a full count and fouled off a heater 3-2. I saw some pitches and felt comfortable enough to work a walk. But in that situation, I'm just trying to get on base against him. If I had to work another walk, I was going to try to do it. But three straight sliders to Dansby, and he threw a couple to Eddie Rosario in that in the two strikeouts in front of Freddie. And they looked terrible if, on him. Right. I don't know if he was going if he was going slider happy, but I just kind of looked up in a way to keep me from swinging at the slider down and away, and luckily he threw me he threw one up there. Yeah, I well as a lefty too. You, you, oh, you started at him and it's a free strike. I uh-huh. remember the first time, and I, I the first time I gave up a first pitch lefty lefty slider home run was Prince Fielder, and I'll never forget it because it was so shocking to me. But yeah. you have these at bats against lefties, and it's like. For so long, it's just been a free strike. You started at him, spin it over the plate, and you got this free 0-1 count, and you're just ahead. Mm-hmm. And you go and do that against a guy that's as talented as Freddie. And I, I threw it to Fielder. I was like, get me over, and then yeah. I'm going to start throwing him the good ones. Right. And he put it He put it 450 in the gap, and it was like, what the fuck? What just happened? <laughs> you know, I didn't even – you know, how how is that possible? You know, how is this guy that good? And I guarantee yeah. you, when, when Freddie hit that ball off a of hater, it was like – I didn't. He didn't think they started battling yet. He's like, I'll yep, get ahead yep, with my free yep. strike. Um, I'm Josh Hader. I blow everybody away with the heater. Nobody yep. touches my slider. I'm going to be aggressive. Started at him, get ahead. And if you look at it, it was on a tee. It was right down the middle. And I, I think that's where he aimed. I think he was just trying to get a free strike and jump ahead. And, you know, like what Freddie's, Freddie's quote says is he wasn't necessarily sitting on that. He was conscious of it. But I think he's just so damn good and has such a – Nice quality compact swing and tries to shoot the ball the other way. He didn't go up there and try to pull Hater. If he tries to pull that pitch, he probably grounds out. Right. But he's just so damn good and so special. There's only I don't even I bet you could name the players on one hand that could do that against a guy as tough as Hater on a first pitch slider in the and entire Hader, game. And Hater's reaction afterwards was, 
the look of like, what the fuck? Like you just said, what just happened? Because he was like, he's had to look, he still had to look confident. He couldn't show that he's pissed, but he did the nervous twitch of his shoulders and he's like, yep. okay, all right. But it was looks you could have the look of like, oh my God, what? Okay, let's let's regroup here. We're down now. But you just he never does, it never happens to him. It's never happened before. So he didn't in his know career. how to react. Yep. And if if it has <laughs> happened before, if you've done it against a guy and given it up or you know, we used to always say in pitchers meetings before the meeting, they'd say, which guys they'd say, no, get me overs to Cabrera or somebody right. that was known to go up there and sit slider or, or could handle it or possibly do damage. You'd say, you know, no, get me over to this guy. No, get me over to that guy. And it changes yeah. your approach when you know a guy will, will swing first pitch slider and do damage. I mean, Teles did it to Enoa too. And I don't think he saw that coming. You know, right. you, you, you kind of think right. it's a free strike, but when you hear that in those meetings and you go, first pitch slider and you know a guy will swing and can do damage on it then you try to throw a really good quality pitch there and and that helps the hitter because a lot of times you'll yank it or nibble a little bit and throw a ball but hater just thought it's a free strike came out ultra aggressive and freddie's just too damn good man he was ready for it and hit it in the seats and i just it, it blows my mind that he did that freddie's reaction was priceless i mean i've seen freddie play for his entire yeah. career and i have never seen him quite that happy i mean nope. he was ecstatic <laughs> he's usually so subdued. He's not one of these guys that jumps and does all this. He doesn't do it. The only time he ever does that is after they clinch a series. I mean, you know, yep. or they clinch a division. But he had a reaction going around. He looked 10 years younger running around the bases. He was smiling. He was doing this. He was doing this. He came out and did a curtain call. Yeah, they shoved him out there. And already yep. is out there going, this man. And Freddie's out there going, yeah. I mean, it was just, you just don't see that stuff from Freddie. So it was so fun, much fun to see the unbridled joy as he's, oh, he's rounding third. Wash does the low five. And Freddie's just like, yeah, does it. And then there's like six guys outside the dugout. You know, the next guy up, the guy on deck, but like three others. Jock Peterson's out there. And they're yeah. all high-fiving him. I mean, it was just it was a moment, man. And you're like, it we're was. still the eighth inning, but it was just, they could not help. They, everybody was so happy for him. And obviously to get a lead uh, against Hater, they was just, it was, it was something else. And a crowd is just roaring. They're chanting, Freddie, Freddie. So it was quite a moment. Freddie was asked, um, what was going inside your mind as you were rounding the bases? He goes, there wasn't much going on. I was hoping <laughs> I didn't fall over. Yeah. He, he was said, floating. He said, I had a lot of cool moments in my career, but so far I'm thinking that's going to top them right there. But hopefully that's not the last cool one. I've got a couple more in these playoffs. Well, think about the weight on his shoulders too. You know, he hadn't had a great series. Right. He'd had that play before they put up one or two hits. Yep. And he had that play that, you know, it was a tough play, but Freddie expects to make. Yeah. And you don't think about that, but that's weighing on him that before that home run that, that Telez hit. Yep. Hard hit ball to first base, and and it was a makeable play for Freddie, and he doesn't get it. You know, I mean, yeah. having a rough series, not making a play on that ball that cost him a run when Telez went deep. You know, yep. that stuff's in the back of his head. That's weighing on him. He hits that ball, and it's it's all erased immediately. And I mean, I, I I'd love to be in those shoes and get to run around the bases like that because I bet he couldn't oh even God. feel the ground. That must be amazing. Yeah, I would fall. I would be like, I just lose control of my body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, he said, what's it been like for you guys to be able to clinch the division? I asked him what to clinch the division at home and now clinch this at home with all the chance and all that. Uh, and he said, a lot better than cl- clinching to go to the NLCS in front of home fans instead of last year with no fans. Yep. Because last year they were partying, celebrating on the field with no fans in the crowd. You <laughs> yeah, know, It's not the same. No. And uh, he said, 
this was well worth it. They came out and supported us at one o'clock on a Monday yesterday, and they came out in full force tonight. Just unbelievable atmosphere. He said, Milwaukee scored. They scored two runs. We came back with two. They scored another two. We came back. He said, it's kind of a testament to our team the last three, four years. Just a pretty amazing ball game. He said, losing Jorge a couple hours before the first pitch. Just kind of piled it on us this year. But this, like, you know, what else can happen to this team? But this year, this team showed its resiliency and just came back and put up a great game. They really did. That was uh, just a great ending to the series. I asked uh, Will Smith because he's sitting there, you know, everybody's talking, asking Freddie's questions. And I asked Will Smith just how gratifying was it for the bullpen? It's kind of been maligned along with him specifically most of the year. How gratifying was it for them not to give up any runs other than the two off Enoa in the whole series? And uh, he said, we always say, Ben, but don't break down there. And I thought we did a pretty good job working through traffic when we got guys on and never giving in and staying with Travi, Travis. Don't know. Staying with Travi and the game plan and the guys behind us making plays. He always credits the defense. Always. Darno called a great pitch for Luke Jackson. Fastball away after he'd thrown a bunch of sliders of some of the stuff we've talked about where you could kind of catch on that this guy was eliminating the fastball. Uh-huh. And Luke just threw a belt high fastball away. Couldn't pull the trigger. That it's you know it's been I think one of the coolest things is what had seen the reaction to Luke Jackson this year. I mean he was beaten up on social media up until early <laughs> yeah. up until midway through this year he was still getting yeah. trashed. They were still like yeah just wait. Luke Jackson, regardless of what and even on social media now they love him, but at home crowds Luke is one of the favorites. Man, they chant Luke. They play the Star Wars theme when he enters because he's a nerd, as he says. He's a Star Wars nerd. But he enters and they play the Star Wars theme and the crowd does the Luke like Bruce Spring says, Luke. So to see him do it in the postseason and then come through, because I think there's still some doubters that are probably thinking, yeah, yeah, we've seen it from Luco. He's going to give it up one of these days. He just keeps going out there and dealing, man. This is a, yeah. he's a different pitcher than he was last year. He got himself in great shape, and he had said to us on the podcast, the fans make the huge difference yep. to him. He just couldn't get the adrenaline going last year. Well, it's so much different too, you know. If you if you check your name online, you know, first of all, your athletes should never do that because yeah. people don't log in to praise you very often. They right. usually log in to to vent how much you messed up their you know their parlay or whatever they had going. Yeah. But if it, when you're at the stadium, you know, I mean, your only feedback last year was what you were hearing online and all that shit. If you were paying attention to it, but when you're at the stadium, it's usually a totally different energy. Even when I was sucking, when I was with the Braves, I'd still be at the games and people remembered what I did five years ago or four years ago and, yeah. and still love me for that. So you get to absorb that. And now when you got fans behind you cheering you on, instead of thinking, you know, what's this dipshit going to say on Twitter if I mess right. this game up? You know, right. I mean, it's it's so much. There's, I'd say, ninety percent of the fans are pretty rational, right. and the ten percent that aren't usually log online and yeah. and talk shit. Yeah. But for him Probably. to have that, I mean, he's been a different animal. Even when he even when he took over the closers role, and it, it wasn't pretty, but he saved the team that year yeah. and carried the load Absolutely. for a long time. Had a little rough start last year, a rough go last year, but this year he's been he's been good all year. And it's you know it is it's kind of crazy how long it takes as a reliever to earn back the trust. You know, a two week. Right. Two weeks stint of blowing games and sucking. I mean, same with Will Smith. Yeah, he's had he's had some action on the base pass, but people still don't trust him. Yeah, even though he's been pretty lights out the last few weeks, uh, it's it's crazy how long it takes to to earn that trust again from a fan base as a relief pitcher. 
And even for him, thank God, the reaction for the crowd is much different than it is on social media. He doesn't yep. get booed when he enters the game or whatever, like he would be yep. if he, yep. when he enters on Twitter. He's booed effectively. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Darno, by the way, ask Darno about what is he thinking when Freddie comes up in that situation. He's going. Well, I'm not thinking he's going to hit a home run on a first pitch slider. <laughs> I'm thinking he's going to do something good, but not a first pitch home run on a slider. But he said to see Freddie hit that and then the tongue come out because Freddie did one of those. Yep. He said that was just like everybody just it made everybody so happy, man. Um, well, he's their leader. Yeah, he's the as as uh, there was a great quote from Austin afterwards on they got the TV cameras got him on the field and he said he's our he's our captain. He goes. If he's Freddie Freeman. He's the greatest player I've ever played with. Um, I can I can second that. Freddie uh, was asked Freddie about what stood out because he said this moment stood above the others. What stood out this home run? He goes, he, like it was obvious. He goes, we're going to the NLCS. That's kind of that kind of stood out. He goes, this. Yeah. He said he dreamed. You literally dream about that as a kid, clinching a playoff. As a, so to have it happen, you know. To have it finally happen for him to clinch a playoff with a home run is what you dream about. He said, this team was kind of down all year, just trying to tread water, playing 500 baseball. Alex went out the deadline and got us some guys. And it was a whole different team in the second half. I think he said, I think we played 600 plus winning percentage baseball in the second half. We've been feeling pretty good about ourselves. And they just fought back and fought back. And to get that home run in that moment and will coming in and shut it down. That's kind of the top moment for me. Yeah, and big that you know, big that Will Smith came to came to pitch this series because you know, like we talked about earlier, if he blows that, I feel like after after Freddie hits a homer like that and it's all everything's up and everybody's fired up. If you blow that game, you got like oh, a ninety percent chance of losing that game and the series if you don't close it out right there. Uh, absolutely, that would have just been a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, some guys had to just nut up, man. I repeat, multiple guys, and they did. Not one guy faltered that they were counting on. I mean, you know, you didn't know what you were going to get. You gave a couple of runs, you know, but not one guy disappointed that needed to come through in the biggest moments. Nope, and their seven, eight, nine was lights out the whole series. Yeah, and the defense was just like we said, just so good the whole series. Um, Freddie was asked, uh, you've been in a lot of playoff series. How different was this one just from how hard the runs were come by? He goes, we faced three straight all-star starters and uh, all-stars in Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, and we faced Lauer. We had a bounce-back year. Who had a bounce-back year? He was great all year, so runs were hard. And then you got Charlie Morton, probably the best big-time postseason pitcher in the game, and you got Max Fried, who's done what he's done in the second half and all season, and Ian. You knew runs were at a premium. Said so Charlie gave us three plus on three days rest. It's pretty amazing what he did, and I think we had like eight or nine runs scored total in the whole series coming into today. I think we tied that in one game, but runs were hard to come by. But then when they're hard to come by, we still pulled out two wins, and we were able to do it today. Yeah, and huge, huge that Charlie went on short rest. I was watching him in that Absolutely. first inning. Some of those curveballs were popping out. You know, I, he just wasn't quite the same, but. I mean, hats off to him for just – you could tell he was a little tired, but just battling and, and having balls and getting through that through that outing. Um, can't say enough about a guy being willing to come back on short rest and, and find a way to battle like that without his best stuff. Yeah, especially a guy with the 
track record he has with the postseason record that he has. You don't want to go mess it up by doing something you haven't done. You know, at age Land thirty-seven, he'll be thirty-eight yeah. in November. Man, <laughs> yeah. he could have said maybe five years ago, I'd love to have done that, guys. But I'm I'm gonna be thirty-eight in November. But no, he's like, yeah, give me the ball. I bet you he didn't even hesitate. I bet you he wanted it. He yeah. might have even asked for it. It would have been entirely different if they send you Noah out in there and he give up two runs in the first inning, you know, or they send Smiley out and he gives up. You know, I'm not saying he would have. Maybe Smiley would have done well. I don't know. But it was the confidence that they had sending Charlie out there, especially after losing Solaire and having Dansby hit leadoff. The confidence that gave him having Charlie out there was huge. You know, I just think everybody went into the game with a different attitude than they would have if they'd sent a guy out there to struggle a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Getting, I mean, getting the game started like that is you can't put a value on it. Darno asked Travis about the LCS. He said we feel very good heading into. Was it Darno? Yeah, I want to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Darno said that uh, we feel very good heading into the NLCS this year, regardless of who we're playing. We got a great pitching staff, three studs on the mound in the rotation. Shoot, all our guys are nasty. It's a blessing to work with all of them every single day. So we're going all very confident going in and just keep this thing rolling. Both those teams had over 100 wins. They had the best NL records. They're both great teams. We're looking forward to playing either one of them. It's going to be a hell of a series, a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to it. I mean, that's just a different attitude. It is. And it's it, this series was great prep for for that series. You know, if if they'd faced a yeah. team that just slugged it out with them and didn't have that great starting pitcher, you know, or three starting pitchers and, yeah. and they won the games, you know, nine, six, eight, five, things like that, you're not going to get that off these starting pitchers for the Giants and Dodgers. You know, so facing those three horses that they faced and, and you know, really getting some practice in it, squeezing across runs and executing and all that little stuff, that's going to help them in the next series, too. That's a great point because last year they went in and faced the Dodgers after beating after beating the Reds in two games in a three game series that anomaly from last year. Uh, Slug and Reds team they beat Trevor Bauer, but or, or they, they won that game. But and then they faced the Marlins in the second round and swept them. Yeah. And those Marlins really good young pitchers, but that's a totally different animal than what they're facing. They were facing all these twenty twenty one year old pitchers and and a lineup that was shaky. So to beat the Brewers. Going into face, they go in entirely different without having without questions about yeah, but who'd you beat to get here to face? Now you're facing the Dodgers. Yeah, and I, you know Milwaukee's offense didn't have the best series. They struggled with runners in scoring position. Right. I don't know who you give the credit to. You know, I mean, I think that I think that a, the pitching staff for the Braves definitely deserves a lot of credit for buckling down and and making all those situations hard on them. Dansby made some big plays. Defense made some big plays. But overall, you know. They they had to play that same type of series where you got to come up with big hits and make big pitches, yeah. And especially the bullpen, you know that that's where so many of these games are decided. Especially when you bring those horses in and and, and get to the fifth and it's zero zero. You have one reliever that comes in and he's off, yeah. gives up a three spot. That's the game right now, and not a single one of them did it. Hey, how about before we go? How about the the, the previous day? Uh, Ian Anderson. I don't think man we, enough attention has been paid to what that what that mm-hmm. kid did. I mean, I say kid, he's still really young. Um, but everybody knew Freed and Charlie Morton can match up with those two guys. But Ian, you know, had an up and down year because he had injuries. He had the shoulder strain after the All Star break, and he had pitched really well in his last two starts coming in. But you're still going, okay, okay, let's see him do it again. And he went out and dealt, man. I mean, his yeah, changeup was. He had. Uh, he had. Uh, let's see. He that. He held them to two hits, one run in six innings in May in Milwaukee. 
But he went through that thing in July where he missed six weeks with the shoulder thing. So he comes in Monday, and after four innings, he had four strikeouts and ten whiffs, four strikeouts with the changeup, and ten swings and misses with that with the changeup through four innings. He ended up going five innings. He allowed just three hits, no walks, huge. Hit a batter, struck out six in 84 pitches, including 51 strikes. And afterwards, he asked Council what the big thing was, what made him tough. He said it was the changeup for sure, Council yep. said. He said, I think we quickly adjusted and understood what he was doing. But he was a little scattered. He was a little scattered with the fastball, but he did get enough first pitch strikes. And when you get the first pitch strikes, when you're down on the count already, but he threw a ton of good changeups and enough strikes with the other stuff to kind of keep us off balance. He goes, the changeup was good. I thought there were times when the hitters, they were looking for it and we just didn't yep. hit it. So yep. they were looking for it and still couldn't hit it. He's got one of those changeups. He's got one of those pitches that's so good. People can be looking for it and, and still not. You know, I think his arm action comes into play. It's a different arm action. He's able to spin the changeup from that same slot. Hitters have mm-hmm. a hard time reading it. And he did, he did an incredible job just keeping them off balance. Because I saw him, he'd make mistakes, and they'd be a second later on the fastball, fouled off into the net, and then he'd go back to the changeup. But you could see the Brewers hitters trying to adjust, trying to think along with him. And you know what makes it so tough is throwing that first pitch strike with any of three pitches. He's ahead Mm -hmm. in the count all the time. And then they don't know if he's going to stay with it or come back, and it makes his fastball so much better because it's already sneaky. And then he's mixing it in sporadically instead of just coming at him. You know, he pitched his ass off. There's guys that that have good starts, and you watch them, and you're like, well, he just had too good of stuff. You know, Cor- Corbin Burns throwing 98 cutter. He puts it wherever he wants, but everybody knows he's throwing that. It's just that good of a pitch. He doesn't yeah. have to pitch as much. Ian pitched his ass off. He mixed in three pitches at any count, any time, and he could throw them all for strikes. You know, that that makes it so hard on the hitters to, to know what to look for, and you could just see it with Milwaukee. They were just guessing the whole start, which is, you know, obviously where you want to be. He had the six-week post-All-Star stint on the, with the shoulder on the IL. Then he had a 4-6-6 ERA, and the six homers was a real problem. Six homers in 19 and a third innings in his first four starts back. But in his three starts since then, including Monday, Ian Anderson's 3-0 and with a 1.50 ERA, and he's allowed eight hits, three runs, and four walks with 16 strikeouts in 18 innings. 3-0, and 1-5-0 yep. in three starts. Big yep. games. So – that's a huge factor for them going, knowing that he's back where he was. Cause going into the postseason, you didn't know if he was going to be ready, be back where he was. So yep. when you got a three, number three, that can match up. <sighs> there. Three strong is so much better than two strong. You know, going into a series, having three starters that you feel really damn good about is it's such a difference because if you, if you stack up against a team like the Dodgers or giants mm-hmm. and you battle and you, maybe you split with Charlie and freed, but you go to that three spot. I mean, how many teams did you see in the postseason having a bullpen game yeah. in the three spot? And none yeah. of those teams won. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just it's a totally different animal to, to have to face another really good starter and then have those options to play with. You don't have a burnout pen. You got options to play with. Are we going back to Charlie on short rest, Freed on short rest? Yeah. Or are we up, are we up three one and we can we can let those guys rest and we know we're gonna get one out of them in six and seven. You know, it, it just gives them so much more uh, flexibility of how they want to attack teams, knowing Ian's going to be what he is. Here's what he is now in five postseason starts, including four last year as a rookie, after he'd only made six regular season starts last year. Four In five postseason starts, he's 3-0 and with an 0.76 ERA, including four scoreless starts. 
He's only allowed 14 hits, 10 walks with 30 strikeouts in 23 and two-third innings in the postseason. Only two runs against him came in the third inning of Game 7 in last year's NLCS against the Dodgers. And that was his 10th overall start of his career, by the way. Yep. This kid's special, man. People forget about him because of what Freed's doing this year. But Ian Anderson is special. He is. He's got balls, too. He didn't crumble when when they got second and third, no outs on him. No <laughs> Winds doubt. up getting out of the situation. No doubt. I mean, it's a lot of guys, you can just feel that energy, that momentum swaying, and you start trying to do too much. He just kept making pitches. Well, we knew he had balls when he came out in his first, in his in his major league debut and outpitched Garrett Cole. Allowed, took a no-hitter like sixth inning against the Yankees. Yeah, in an empty stadium, though. You know, now that he's yeah. doing it in these big right. playoff starts, it's, right. it, it confirms it even more for me. Which is huge because you don't know what's going to happen with Soroka. You hope he comes back at elite level. But to know that you've got Freed, Morton, and Anderson for next year. Yeah. Yeah. You can fill in the blanks beyond that. Yeah. You're sitting pretty. So, all right. Well, we didn't even get into Jock Peterson, but uh, so much has been said. I, I think we've said enough. But, man, he's this guy, he's been such an impact on this team. And now the Pearl thing too. There's men, there's grown men wearing pearls at the games. I mean, a lot of them and little kids with like three and four strands of pearls over the shirts, over their jerseys. It's a phenomenon. There's a run on them at the jewelry stores in Atlanta. Pearls. Yeah, That's how it starts. If you, if you hit a three run, go ahead Homer in game three, people, they'll get behind whatever you're doing. How big was that, man? Jesus, this guy. He has got the clutch gene. Anybody that argues that there's no such thing, just watch Jock Peterson. Look at the numbers. The numbers do not lie. This guy's already got 11 postseason home runs. They call it Jocktober for a reason. I I felt good about him coming up, but, you know, that's that thing, you know, we talk about all the time is not letting the game speed up or be too big for you. And he just seems to have that gene. You know, he, he has that ability to just stay calm and have good at bats battle treat it like any other at bat and you know like i said it's not easier said than done but he seems to even when he gets out you know like the lefty he faced yesterday in a big at bat yeah he he faced bastard pitches that whole at bat found a way to just stay alive and and tap it to shortstop and beat out the double play a lot of guys they just get overmatched there try to do too much and it's a punch out but he just seems to have really good at bats and always be calm in the biggest situations and it's not something i'm sure you can teach no get this in his last 46 postseason games guy includes 25 starts beginning with the 2017 world series he's hit 312 34 109 five doubles 10 homers and an ops of about a thousand he's got a 11 career postseason homers in 173 plate appearances in a postseason. Yeah. Okay, for some context, that's 11 homers in 173 plate appearances. Chipper Jones, 13 postseason homers and 417 plate appearances in the postseason. Andrew Jones, who hit the two in his first what, World Series game. Andrew Jones, 10 postseason homers and 279 plate appearances. David Ortiz, big poppy. Seemed like he hit one every game in a postseason. 17 postseason homers and 369 plate appearances. And finally, Derek Jeter, who played like two seasons worth of postseasons, basically. 20 postseason homers and 734 plate appearances in career plate appearances in the postseason. Again, Jock Peterson, 11 postseason homers and 173 plate appearances. It's amazing. 
It's amazing. His his interview was funny too. Was, when he they asked him, you know, what how he hit How'd that, you hit that pitch. Pretty good player. I'm, I'm a pretty good player. I hit it out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best, man. You know, guys have they know the perfect time to kind of mix in something real cocky like that and, yeah. and, and say and it does. in a way that makes everybody laugh. Like Josh Donaldson did. He yep. had that perfect timing. Yep. I saw Dansby make that comparison and say he's he's yep. jock day in, day out. So and, much like each other in that regard. Yeah. Like Josh Donaldson has introductory press conference to announce his contract. Yeah. We asked him what he could bring to the Braves. First check time he's like, card. He said, check the bas- back, of my, back of my baseball card. That's what I can bring. I think that's what I can bring to the Braves. <laughs> yeah. And you, you got to have that confidence, though, to succeed yeah. at, at that level. They both it's do. Ultimate some, swagger. Some guys tone it down and other guys know the perfect time yeah. to drop. Just check my baseball card. You know, I know guys, I'm acting nice, but check yeah. it. Yeah. Other guys aren't worried about not living up to it and having people going, ah, you cocky. They're not worried about it. They have so much self-confidence. They're like, I'm going to – I'm going to say it before I go out and put the gauntlet down. I'm going to go out and do it. Walk the walk. Then talk the talk, whatever. You know? That's why talk I never talk shit. It. I saw what uh, saw what Tapera said Yeah, after yeah. that series. I was like, yeah. might as well put money on the Astros right now. They yeah. go out and score 10 the next game after that. Because you don't, you know, in baseball, it has a, a funny way of humbling you. And anytime you act cocky, it feels like things all fall apart for you because, you know, that's in the back of your head, too. Like I said this last time, now i got to back it up. And what's going to be the response if I give it up yeah. here or don't live up to this? And then there's other guys with the balls to say it anyway, and they know they can back it up. And it seems like he has that confidence. And a mistake that he made was he he uh, he damned a whole team, yep. the Astros, without any evidence or any reason. I mean, look what they did on the road last night, you know? Nothing good was going to come of that. Nobody has said this year that they think the Astros are still cheating. But anyway, you better have some proof. Thing is, when Jock is almost always is like confidence about himself. In other words, yep. if I if I fuck up, this is going to be on me. But I'm saying yep. I'm this is man. what I do. And the yep. same thing with uh, JD, you know? They rarely made it where teammates were like, thanks a lot, dude. For they never made set the teammate the team up to fail by saying something that, you know, would make it uncomfortable or give the other team ammo or whatever. Jock's like about himself, you know, he's like, I'm a pretty good player. I hit it yeah. out. You know? JD's like, check the back of my baseball card. You know, he's not saying he's not putting the the team making his teammates uncomfortable. No, and he knows he, he personally can back it up. Right. And if he doesn't also, he'll take the consequences. He's all right with that. Yep. And, you know, you saw the the Red Sox use that. It's just funny how you'd think that a team, I guess it's a distraction almost from the from the standard and the pressure set on you to win the series when, right. when your opponent does something to piss right. you off. And now it's even more, you know, fuck those guys. Right. When the the Rays, I guess, told the, the clubhouse attendants to get that champagne ready after they won that first game yep. in Boston. Yeah. And then they were eating popcorn in the dugout. Eating popcorn in the dugout. Saying, I got Every- a, we got a five-run lead. Let me eat my popcorn. Every Red Sox player, yeah, uh, they noted that, and that—that's just that—that's that extra fuel where it's like it, it doesn't make any sense because you'd think that Stupid. these guys were already playing a certain way. It's it's already Stupid. the biggest games of the year, but when you give them that nice distraction and somebody else to focus on and want to beat them for this reason, right? It, it seems like just a different motivator where where guys are able to take it to the next level when they're totally pissed at you and and they want to wreck your season now, not try not to blow their own. I think that comes across as you're taking it for granted and your arrogance is you're a better team than we are. You're so good yeah. that, hey, we're up 5-0. I'm going to eat popcorn. It's over. you yeah. got to know how to push the envelope with those, like the celebrations Josh Donaldson did, for instance, with the umbrella. 
I never felt like it made you were telling the other team we're so good that we're going to relax. And it was just like I'm a goofball. I'm having fun. I'm a badass. Yep. I'm going to do this yep. umbrella because I'm the bringer of rain. And the yep. same thing with Jock, you know, with the things he does. But it never, it never, uh, it never dismisses the other team or makes the other team feel like you know we're just better than you. You know, he's, yep. it's a, you got to know how to do it. And that was just dumb what he said about them cheating and just it was dumb what nelson cruz said about eating popcorn with a five-run lead you know or, yep. or, or bring the champagne you know baseball gods don't like that stuff no. <laughs> no. if you're a baseball player you got to live in fear of the baseball gods 24 7 you know not try not to do anything that's gonna bring you bad karma or bad mojo and i think both of those teams kind of got ahead of themselves and yeah and baseball man it catches up with you every single time never get ahead of yourself oh man in baseball you can't it can change. It can change so fast. The next day's starting pitcher. That's all momentum is. Yep. So you better have a few of them. All right. Well, this is going to be good, man. We'll find out late Thursday. Actually, it'll be early Friday morning. We're going to find out who the Braves are playing next. Whether we're flying out to San Francisco or having the Dodgers fly here. But either way. If you're a Braves fan, you're loving this. You're eating this shit up because four months into the season, a lot of people <laughs> yeah. were saying Alex should Alex should sell. Fire there were a snake. lot of people saying Alex should sell and aim to next year and get Acuna back and all that. And instead, look yep. where they're at. Miraculously, they're going to face a team with a, that won 107, 106 games during the season. And I feel better about their chances than I did a year ago when they had Acuna. Yeah. Yep. And nothing, and that's not to disparage Acuna. That's nothing about Acuna. He's the best. He would be the best player on this team if he was here. But they're a better team. They're deeper. Yeah. They got more confidence. They're playing better, and they got better starting pitching and experienced starting pitching. And they've been through some shit. Yep, I mean, that, that's a big factor too. A lot of adversity they've overcome again and again and again. Yep. So it's going to be fun, man. I think I think it's going to be a good series, uh, regardless of the outcome. I think it's going to go at least five, but I think six or seven games the series is going to go. I can't see it in in five. I think, and and. I, I'm not going to pick the. I'm not going to pick it yet till I find out who the who the team is. But like I said, I like the Drake's chances against the Giants. I really do. Yeah, and they'll yeah, give I the don't... Dodgers six or seven games, just like they did last year for sure. And they, and and I said going into last year, nobody picked the Braves. And I said on the podcast I did, I said I'm picking the Dodgers because they're just got so much more talent. But it's not going to surprise me if the Braves go six or seven games with them. This yep. year, I'll be I'll go further beyond that. So we'll see who they're playing. We'll do another one of these on uh, Thursday or Friday. Cool. All right, everybody. 755 is real. Enjoy the playoffs. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.